Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Your host, Jesse Jameson, has a real treat for you. You are about to hear a great story. And if Jesse brings his A-game, some good commentary too. And later on, we'll let you know how you can join Jesse as a guest. Now, without further ado, here's Jesse. Welcome back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Today's friend is Robert from Lawton. And the name of Robert's story is Alabama's New Theme Park. So, Robert, I always grew up loving places like Knott's Berry Farm and Disneyland, and I'm sure everybody else around the country does, too. Tell us a little bit about Alabama's new theme park. Is it a place where, is it kind of like Disneyland? Well, it's kind of like Disneyland. The uh, operator makes the analogy, actually, between Disneyland and his place. It's, it's located on 143 acres near Lenox, Alabama, and it's not very old. It's only about five years old, so it's developing, and the promoter, like uh, Walt Disney, has intentions of never stopping developing the attractions on his 143 acres. It, it's quite a fascinating tale as to how that park began and continues, and I'll, I'll try to make sense out of that in explaining it best I can. Well, I always, I always like starting stories from the absolute beginning. So you live in Lawton. Is that in Alabama or is that, uh, what state is Lawton in? Well, I currently live in Northern Colorado. Lawton is in Oklahoma. Many, many people are familiar with that because of the Fort Sill military base that's located there. Uh, but you're not almost, you're not you're not in Alabama though. So how did no, you? I've been there. <laughs> okay, you've been there. I guess what I'm getting at is going back to the beginning. How did you catch wind of this theme park in Alabama, and why did it interest you enough to want to contact me and and talk about it a little bit? Well, the theme park operator is a self-described independent, fundamental, temperamental chicken-eating Baptist preacher. Uh, he's almost as old as I am. He goes back about 68 years now, uh, and he's only recently gotten into the theme park uh, operation in Alabama, though he had one earlier down in Pensacola, a very much more restricted theme park on North Palifax Street just an acre or two. I'm not sure exactly how much property he had there. Uh, and he, he happened to lose that through some unfortunate circumstances. And you might think that was an end to that, but it actually opened up a whole new world for him because now he has 143 acres near Lenox, Alabama, which he is developing into a super theme park consistent with his theology and hopes to attract a lot of people. So let me ask you this. This sounds like a positive rags to riches story. You have a man of God or a man of faith. He's doing a theme park that he tried setting up once upon a time and it ended up, I assume, go, going out of business. 
he ends up making, it sounds like in your words, a comeback of sorts. Now he has this 143 acre, sounds like a mega park. That sounds like a lot of acreage to me. Mm-hmm. And it sounds to me like, based on what you said, it's kind of religious based or faith based. So that sounds kind of like a win-win situation. Um, how did How did he go from maybe riches to rags to start the story? Because he obviously had a theme park. Was it a failure financially, the original one? Well, after 30 or so years of preaching around the world uh, and becoming uh, quite popular in his specialty, which involved uh, preaching against evolution, uh, he he wound up moving to Pensacola to continue his, 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 his work and started the small theme park there. And part of his theology, less well-known, is that he didn't think much of obeying laws that he didn't agree with. And so he got crosswise with the government and the government wound up shutting down his Pensacola Park and putting him in prison for eight or ten years. Now, Robert, two- you, sa- you said this guy was traveling around the country preaching, and you're mentioning that he was battling against evolution. I assume he was preaching against evolution, which preaches that we're, what, the offspring of, of apes, so to speak and that uh, the world is old. He was kind of preaching against those things. And to open up a theme park, I'd imagine you have to be pretty popular. So was he getting to the point where he was preaching to quite a a large group or audience? And did he have quite a following? Yes, he wasn't quite as popular as some of the common televangelists, but he had a worldwide audience uh, and support from, from people, you know, around the world. And primarily in the United States, and uh, that that was the uh, hobby, if you want to call it that, is preaching against uh, the common evolutionary idea that things are millions and billions of years old and all living things came from a rock, as he likes to put it. Uh, and that, that's obviously a popular theme in religious circles. And it supported him quite well, although from outward indications, he's not super rich like some of the televangelists. And he likes to impress people with his modest standard of living. He was quite successful and basically went where he wanted, did what he wanted. And under the... Uh, guise of being God's man and claiming that his success is a sign that God is with him. And ultimately, while he was making that claim, he did run afoul of the government and the government locked him away for a few years. And even that, he he is able to play, play up to his benefit either being a martyr for the cause. Well, hold on, Robert. Hold on, Robert. Let's let's slow down a little bit. So let me get this straight. He's starting to get into, I assume he's speaking to other people that are believers in, in faith or believers in God or creator. 
and he's slowly getting them into uh, hey i am against evolution which is kind of the thing that is taught in the school system around the country and so he's kind of creating a we versus them type of scenario and apparently he's gotten popular enough to start a theme park of sorts he's getting super successful even though he's playing it off kind of like a simpleton you know i don't make very much money you know don't look at my bank account statement type thing but the reality is he's doing well enough where the government's starting to come down upon him. Now, when you compare him to a televangelist, I always think of the mega millionaire televangelist who uh, hides a lot of his money behind the fact that he is in a church. Is this kind of the reason that Kent got, or that this man got in trouble? And you said his, his name was Kent before the show started. So we'll just call him Kent. But you're telling me that there's a guy in Alabama he gets in trouble. Did did he end up going to jail because of this trouble? Or, yes, or it was a it was it was federal case. Although he had various problems with local authorities down in Pensacola, the feds are the ones that finally locked him up in federal prison for a few years for uh, basically tax and financial crimes and. So sometimes churches have this umbrella where every dollar that comes in, they feel that they don't necessarily have to give any of it to the government because it's a church. Kind well, of, kind that, of. That, that gets to a fine point uh, that's a little confusing in his case because up until recently, and what caused him to go to prison didn't really involve a bona fide church. He was operating as a sole proprietorship, uh, and along the way, at some point, he did try to set up uh, some bogus ministerial trusts to hide behind, but the government was able to show those were just shams, and so he was prosecuted on the basis that he was operating an individual business which he didn't think he was responsible for paying any taxes on and other financial uh, crimes. And that's what caught him uh, up and crossways with the government and sent him off to prison. Since he got out of prison or while he was in prison and after he got out, he wised up a little bit. And in response to uh, motivation from his handlers, I think, he actually was successful in setting up a bona fide, no, I won't say bona fide, he was able to set up a church that was recognized by the federal government, and now he is using that church facade to do all his tax-free work. Uh, well, here, here's, a, here's an interesting thing, though. If he doesn't go the route of the church, um, he's obviously doing things illegal. If he does go the route of becoming an official church in the government's eyes, I assume so that they can keep track of tax monies or tax uh, deductions or what have you, then you say it's kind of a little shammy and fake or a facade, right? So he's kind of in a catch-22. He's kind of a, a lose-lose situation in, in regards to how you view him on this. But as far as legalities, right now we have a guy that did his time for breaking the law now you're describing him opening opening up a second theme park so i assume he still has a little bit of a following and now he's at least done it legally correct so at this point 
do we have any more issues with him or in other words do you do you see him as potentially being a threat to the welfare of the public well i i, I think so okay uh, because uh, the churches are not responsible for doing any accounting there's still a considerable amount of secrecy as to what's actually going on with his theme park and related operations and the money and the people involved he has a variety of people associated with him coming and going at his theme park you know where he he advertises come for free Supposedly, he doesn't charge if you want to go to the theme park. And he's got all these volunteers working for him that come and go. And he advertises, if you, if you want a place to run away to, have something to run away from, this is where you can come. It's a great place to get away from whatever's bugging you. And he's got a history of having some rather strange characters coming and going and some some issues with all the kids that are there and sexual predators that have been uh, known to come and go, plus continuing anti-government uh, promoters, which he continues to do. Uh, so there are is in my mind legitimate reason to think he's still a scammer but he's been successful in uh, as far as official recognition the government has given him church status and he is exploiting it the 143 acres is property tax free he doesn't have to report any income and pay any income tax on it he claims everybody working for him are ministers and independent contractors. And he's got all these kids coming and going, which is of particular concern. One child is already drowned on the property. Another one reportedly was almost abducted under suspicious circumstances. And that was kind of uh, brushed aside. Doesn't he have insurances for you know, injuries on his property? Doesn't, aren't there certain restrictions and regulations? Well, you have to sign a release when you visit or come to live there that you're on your own. Uh, uh, he doesn't, he advertises that he doesn't have insurance. Uh, I don't know if, how extensive that is. He may have to have insurance on the car he drives or something, but as far as liability insurance, if you stub your toe on the property, he's going to tell you that's on you. You signed this waiver. And so that's another area we don't really have any clear information on. Who, who's been hurt? What's happened with all the injuries? And how bad were they? That could be an issue. Uh, what about the children's injuries and sicknesses and whatever else uh, is going on with the children there? The state authorities have investigated more than once, but apparently they're not real aggressive, and that may have something to do with this church cover. But we do have the one incident where a child, seven-year-old child, drowned uh, because Kent 
as he says to the parents, you can always make another one. Uh, and the one possible abduction. Uh, there may be a hundred other different cases where the local authorities have had to be called out and investigate, but that's speculative. There's a few instances we do know about, and we can only speculate about what's really going on with this place and these strange characters and what they're doing. Uh, Kent is preparing his people for the tribulation consistent with his end times philosophy Robert, let me let me let me ask you a question real quick because we're going to be taking a break here in a second we always see movies uh where people are doing bad things and then you know it ends up having a domino effect and they end up doing horrible things and people go back to their friends and they say how come you didn't tell somebody that this guy was doing this type of stuff and in a weird way, that's what you're doing. You're coming out early before it makes the national news that, hey, there might be something we need to look into further with regards to this theme park. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to delve into it a little bit deeper with Robert. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ooh. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. When it comes to financial planning, most of us would probably rather have a root canal. Math, budgets, keeping ourselves and our loved ones secure after retirement, planning for retirement, risk, reward, and the like. How do you find the answers you need? Tune into Fiscal Fitness with John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina. They'll help you feel more secure in your investments and your future. Listen every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Thanks for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. So, Robert, we're back. So, here's the, cra- here's the crazy thing. When I was a little boy... 
I uh, was told about Jim Jones, and I think my mom even made me watch some documentary about how he made people drink the Kool-Aid. And then as I got a little bit older, and I think I was a young adult, we had the Waco, Texas situation with David Koresh, right? And um, I think not too far, far away from that year-wise, we had the Heaven's Gate thing where a bunch of people committed suicide together because they thought a comet was going to come and take them away. You said earlier that people of a suspect nature are coming and going from this theme park that Kent has in Alabama. Um, so it sounds like he is letting people come and go. Does he have some things that parallel, you know, the Jim Joneses and the David Koresh's, or do you see him more of somebody that might be on American greed where he's just found a way to make a bucket load of money and, <clears throat> with no regulation? Well, I think a very good analogy can be made between the, the, the people you mentioned and Kent and his operation. However, with analogies, you have to be careful not to take them too far and understand that in this case, unlike those other cases, which if we were to spend a little time, we could sit down and develop in effect, a real clear documentary trail from beginning to end, and in hindsight, see all the warning flags that because of the nature of our society and how those things are typically handled, they didn't uh, send out or, or prompt any alarms. And so, uh, we can see in hindsight the end of those trails. In Kent's case, we're still in the development stage and we don't know where it's going, which presents some uh, limitations. Do you, do you feel compelled, like, uh, like, do you think you'll feel guilty conscience-wise if you don't try to tell people or at least warn people about this potential situation? Or... Or is it one of those things where are you just kind of gripped by it for the how, how long have you been following this the story with Kent? Well, my wife says too long, but it's a long story and it's developing and maybe we're closer to the end now than we were 10 years ago. Uh, but I feel there's a legitimate social, public, religious, political uh, need to uh, keep this story in the public square uh, as best we can. You know, I can do a little bit. I think Kent actually uh, deserves a lot more scrutiny. Unfortunately, with everything that's going on now in our society, he is able, I think, to exploit the fact that he's a relatively small fish uh and so he isn't some, getting... some some people like the mega churches they're so larger than life it's crazy how successful they can be but there's some other guys that you know they're not they don't necessarily have the best most innocent in, intentions in the world but they're really good at being just successful enough where they're still flying under the radar does Kent kind of fall in that mode or like, for example, can the average person listen and find out information about Kent or is he more underground? Well, he's not so much 
underground, but some of his uh, views and antics are not well known amongst his supporters. At least in my experience, over and over again, I've run into people that I've tried to explain the situation to. And in simple terms, they will say, I didn't know that, but I don't care. I like the guy. Uh, And, you know, the cliche is it's reflective of the two biggest problems in dealing with these situations, apathy and ignorance. They don't know and they don't care. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't want to pay his taxes. Uh, What do his supporters care about that? As long as he's preaching the hard Baptist line, they couldn't care less about what he does about taxes uh, or how many girlfriends he has or he's alienated all his family uh, and is basically a loner from a family standpoint. He had a wife three kids, five grandkids, I think. And as far as I can tell now, none of them really want to have anything to do with him. He, he pokes at him a little bit in some of his broadcasts. He's got a YouTube channel, which is his number one media outlet. And every once in a while, he'll poke at his family, tell them, come on down, come for a visit. I haven't seen you. You haven't been to visit me. Uh, or he'll sing them happy birthday on their birthday. Uh, but the truth seems to be he's burned those bridges, and he's on his own now, and he's got uh, more women and more kids running around the place, uh, and he equates himself to uh, Lot, not Lot, Job, Job had his family and kids and property taken away from him. Kent thinks he's just like that. He lost all his property, lost his family, lost his money. And look now, he's getting it all back uh, and more than he had before. You said and, you said he had some criminals that would come and, and go from his place. Now, is that... Is that like, is that verified? Did he have like murderers, rapists, or did he have just, you know, DUI offenders? What, what type of people were, were going to his theme park? Well, there's some you can tie down and others you got to wonder about because of the secrecy. You know, this is one of the cultic aspects that some might see is that you don't really know who those people are. They use their first names or a fake name. Uh, and they don't really want you to know who they are or what their history is as to why they are there. They just want you to see that you like Kent and you're there and you think he's a man of God and all this stuff. But, yes, you can document some of those things, which I'll mention here in a minute, Uh, but I was going to point out what was it. 
you know, sometimes, well, just sometimes, sometimes as we age, Robert, we forget what the hell we're talking about. But yeah, uh, the, the, like the, Kent says, there's three things about growing old. One is uh, you lose your memory, and I can't remember the other two, or something like that. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but let me it, let me ask you this then. So you, there is a piece of you that thinks he's dangerous, whether it's him directly, the people there, because you know sometimes. Um, you know, they, they would they would they would razz Jesus on the fact that he hung out with criminals and vagrants and stuff. So in a weird way, Kent, as a man of God, is supposed to reach out to people that are trying to change their life. However, part of repenting is is running away from your sin, right? And changing. So if you're just going there as a criminal hiding out, I could see how that could be dangerous for little kids that are walking around the theme park. Right. I was I was going to say if I didn't lose my thought again, that over the years, people have repeatedly suggested that Kent sue me for slander or libel. And uh, that's been a not uncommon theme. And you got to ask, why not? And of course, my response is, Kent doesn't have any legitimate objection to the substance of what I'm saying. He obviously is a federal felon. Uh, you might quibble about how serious his crimes were, but the judge told him his crimes were very serious. Uh, but consider his association with Chris Jones, who he tried to promote and may still try to promote and reportedly has been in and out of his theme park at various times he is a convicted child sexual predator uh there is paul john hansen a uh, lifelong sovereign citizen from nebraska who is a close associate of kent and last i checked is a current fugitive from justice out of nebraska although you might not think the charges are that serious, he's made it uh, part of his lifestyle to get arrested a lot and spend a lot of time in jail for petty crimes related to his sovereign citizen promotions. Now, are you, are you mentioning all of these other people because technically we are the company we keep? Are you saying that if there's that many people with a shady let's let's call it a criminal record in his myths then in, in essence he's hasn't changed a bit he still might come across as a lamb and or a wolf in sheep's clothing so to speak <clears throat> yes i think that's part of it that he's continuing the path he was on and that's one of the reasons why his first wife of 35 years or so when he got out of prison she was there for him but when it turned out he was not there for her, she divorced him. He was the same coming out as he went in and maybe a little smarter on how to get away with things. Uh, and there's also a fellow by the name of Brady Byram, who is a petty criminal uh, out of Texas, who, who Kent gives credit to for preparing his legal defense and his legal claim that he's innocent. Uh, you were mentioning 
again just a moment ago about, well, Jesus kept company with poor characters. Well, Kent will exploit that, and in, in professing his innocence, he will remind you that Jesus was prosecuted, persecuted, and was innocent. Therefore, we should believe Kent when he says he's innocent. There's some very serious uh, logical errors in trying to make that argument. The, the you, fact you, that you don't, innocent. You, you don't argue, though, that you don't call him a, a murderer. You, you don't call him a rapist. It sounds like the only thing that you have against him to this point is the fact that he went to prison once. But there are some people out there, probably myself included, that would have to be in the camp of, you know, hey, I, I did my time, you know, let me move on with my life. Now he is doing things, it sounds like, through proper regulations. He's, he's, he's properly doing his business model correctly. But now you're saying that, you know, you can be doing things under the facade of correctness, but if you, you're still hanging out with shady characters, that there's a little bit of a warning sign there. But don't we have to let people kind of, you know, make a mistake before we make them guilty of it? Well, you know, that's the sort of reasoning that, that Kent might use to, to try and favor uh, or get favorable responses from people. And, you know, I've been following him long enough that it, it doesn't impress me when he makes those arguments. He has pledged, for instance, the rest of his life to harassing the people that prosecuted him and put him in prison. That is not reflective of what he preaches to other people about put it behind you and move on. He has, he has a history of what has been called the politics of personal destruction. He and his people have used that technique on me, and he's pledged the rest of his life to using it on the people that put him away. And he's maintaining his innocence when he knows that's not true. Does he and have a lot so, of Does he have a lot of fans, Robert? He's got enough fans to support a 143 acre theme park in southern Alabama. Uh, it's a mystery to me. Apparently, in the religion business, you don't really need a whole lot of fans to keep you going. I'm not sure how he does it or if there's some other funny business going on with the money, like some of his big-name supporters laundering money through his operations. Have any, uh, of his, have any of his supporters ever reached out and tried to threaten you or harass you in any way? Oh, I wouldn't say that. Some of, some of his people, uh, you know, have printed posted stuff online attacking me repeatedly and saying nasty things about me but nothing that got close to being personal <laughs> no well, lawsuits nobody knocking at the door late at night or anything like that the the reason i say is it sounds to me like um you've been following him for a number of years he's been out of prison for a, a, at least a while to establish a theme park that's doing okay so my thinking is is that maybe he he has a, a bark that's you know maybe not as vicious 
as it comes across because it, it sounds like nothing's necessarily happening to you or you said he was kind of vowing vindictiveness to the people that put him in prison and stuff. Has anything happened to those people? Are they still alive and well to your knowledge? Uh, one of them uh, that had a nominal part was deceased long ago, but he has uh, in late in 2019, he filed a $500 million lawsuit against the judge, investigators, and prosecutors in his case. Uh, it's a frivolous case, but he did file it. It's still open. He's still trying to make hay with that with his supporters. And the fact that the case is never going to go anywhere is another bit of evidence for Kent to use that he's being persecuted they don't want the truth out there, so they're not going to allow the case to actually go to the jury. Uh, the case will be dismissed maybe by the end of this month because just in the last couple of days, the court sent an order to Kent and Paul John Hansen, the man I mentioned earlier. The two of them are the ones that filed the lawsuit. Let's uh, let's hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Ooh. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Have you ever been interested in technology or the application? Technology is always changing, and there is definitely a place for you in it. Listen for Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. Sharon and her guests teach you the skill set and present resources that help you incorporate and enhance technological know-how in your current career, as well as prepare you for future success. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. In business, many leaders have a great vision but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. So Robert, um, he was trying to sue the 
Judge, you said it was frivolous, which tells me right off the bat he didn't get anywhere with it, but it's still open, so it always makes it kind of sound like he's still trying to fight for his good name when he knows in reality it's a frivolous lawsuit and he's not going to win that is ultimately what you're saying. Um, usually when you have a tight-knit group of near-do-wells, uh, as time goes by, usually there's chinks in the armor and people start to you know, become detractors. Has he had any people that have maybe left his flock that have, you know, come out and said anything, you know, that would maybe uphold your argument here that he might not be the most up and up character? Well, there have been a number of people. Well, a lot of people have come and gone. It's hard to get people to speak up uh, negatively. Uh, uh, one young girl who was on the on the place early on met an older man from Europe and wound up leaving and going to Europe and marrying him and having a baby and she wrote a somewhat critical uh, account of her experience there while there were many things to be lauded perhaps she did mention a number of things uh, such as her working conditions and Kemp liked to claim nobody got paid and she got ultimately she was paid at least some for some of her time uh, an, another fellow that was there a long time early on uh, and, and had a background of some some problems, uh, wound up apparently abandoning his faith and going back home. And he hasn't said a whole lot about his experience, but has some somewhat critical things to say about it and characterizing the place as a cult. Uh, Kent's early on number one IT guy information technology guy uh, has scathing uh, reports of the situation with Kent via his YouTube channel. Uh, he's got his own baggage, but he's been very critical of Kent after having left. And uh, while he was with Kent, he and some other supporters were instrumental at at attacking me and some of the people I associate with. And so there is that aspect of it. Uh, for someone, you know, if there's ever any serious media attention to get the history down, someone could look up some specific people, maybe find a more to detail what, has been kept secret as to what goes on with the compound. Uh, does, uh, it, does his does, does his theme park have a name? We won't mention. Let's see. What, what, what does or, he call something like Dinosaur Adventureland or something like that? So okay, so there's this place called Dinosaur Adventureland. I assume from outward appearances, it looks like a great Christian place to take the family. But the reality is you have a bad vibe or bad feeling about this. Do you see this as being a place that in the next five, 10 years 
We might hear something on the world news come out about, you know, a place where a bunch of people have passed away because of a cult-like suicide pact. Or do you see it as a place where we're going to have more and more fatalities of little kids at the theme park because there's not proper insurance? Give us a scope of what would be maybe a worst case scenario that you could see. Well, I I don't want to be overly critical. I, I find it hard to believe that we're looking at a suicide cult. Uh, there, there could be any number of things. It may just turn out to be a, a big financial scam like his first 40 years. Uh, it could be a hot spot uh, for COVID-19. Uh, he is big on uh, conspiracy theories and telling people don't worry about COVID, uh, teach, teach against evolution and forget about COVID. Uh, masks are not something anyone probably much wears around the compound. Uh, and he's looking, he's still teasing people on a regular basis in his performances nightly that that uh, Trump may not be finished yet. Keep There's something big coming. There's something big coming. Uh, and, is, and, is there a certain confidence or cockiness that maybe he displays that maybe you from an early age have just always, you, you hate seeing those type of guys win? Could it be that type of situation? Because I've seen businesses that have been run horribly but the boss at the top is still making six or seven figures and living the life while the rest of the employees are living like hell. I mean, there's plenty of people to, to be envious of. Is he just one of these guys that, you know, he's got a charisma and he just succeeds and it's just, you know, that he's not necessarily the most honorable of gentlemen and, and there's something that bothers you about that or. Well, you- there, there's something to that, I suppose, which makes it hard at times for people to be legitimately critical because that's part of the uh, comeback you can get. Uh, Kent has admirable qualities, uh, but you have to be careful about what you make of them. I mean, he seems very intelligent. He's a hard worker. He knows people all around the world. He knows how to bring the money in. Uh, to that extent, he's successful. And if you want to say, well, Beatty's just envious, he never mounted anything. Well, okay, but I'm not the subject here. This guy is a career criminal. Uh, he is opposed uh, to the government and his amenability to the laws of society. And things are going on that generally the society has concerns about. Uh, It's beyond my ability to get into too many specifics, so though I am prepared to deal with certain specifics that support uh, my work in trying to cover what's going on with him. You mentioned his $500 million lawsuit may go nowhere and be disposed of fairly soon now, but he's already teasing his people as to what his next legal effort will be, and he's pledged the rest of his life to harassing the government, and he's doing it under cover of this church operation, and society has legitimate interest 
in deciding whether or not that's legitimate. He's not caused enough trouble again yet that I know of to be investigated on that score. I think he should be. Let me ask you this, though, because I, I, you know, sometimes these thoughts pop into my head. You said earlier that I believe he's 68 years old, which means he's getting up there in age. You know, a, a lot of times a guy in his 30s or 40s might have many years ahead of him where, you know, we're, whatever he's doing now, he's going to be amplifying that as time goes by. Is this a situation, Robert, where, you know, even if he wanted to do half of these grandiose things that maybe we're imagining him doing, I mean, does he have the energy to do that at his age? In other words, if he if he wasn't on YouTube or if he wasn't really uh, – if he didn't have as much exposure as he does, do you think you would even be following him? Or do you think it's just because he does have exposure that you do follow him? Well, because of his exposure, I'm able to follow him. If, if he had got out of prison and got a legitimate job and disappeared, you know, what's to say? But he is in your face, if you look. He's in your face promoting this stuff and i think he deserves a little pushback and a little scrutiny uh, maybe he'll eventually get it until then y you get what i have to offer and he has pledged the rest of his life he claims i think he has at least 20 more years in him so he could very well be around a long time although he thinks that this year is the start of the tribulation, and in seven years, Christ is going to return, and uh, Kent is going to be rewarded by becoming a little king in some area of the country down there in southern Alabama, and at that time, he's going to get to tell everybody how things are going to be. But, but you would argue that, in a weird way, he kind of does have his own little kingdom now. Yes, and in, in, in a yeah, he does. And and to go back to something you were saying earlier about cult-related issues, he doesn't make anybody stay there. Uh, he invites them there, but if you're there, you're going to do things his way. And if you get crosswise with him, you're out of there. And he'll even buy you a bus ticket to get you out of there. Now, isn't that a good lesson, though, in life? Um, because the reality is, is that's kind of how life should be. If you go to some other person's place, right, and you're not necessarily toting the line the way they expect you to, you know, they might ask you to leave. That sounds to me kind of like something good. Are you saying that there's some negative there, like it's kind of his way or the highway, and some of the things he might be asking might not be? Well, that's, that's what makes it kind of tricky to figure out what's really going on because yes indeed if you're going to work for my company you're going to do things my way but is there a downside to how that can be executed on a practical basis uh well hey robert you, know, you, you, you you said earlier he doesn't have a good relationship with his family right so Here's the interesting thing. If he was 68 and let's say his son was, you know, in his 40s or or 30s, right? I assume that's where one of his okay. sons would be age-wise. There's always a fear that the son's going to take over the daddy's business when daddy goes. In this case, are we just kind of, you know, maybe on a 12-year till till 
this Kent guy does leave the earth, is there a chance that his legacy will just kind of leave with him? Or, you know, is there a chance there's a second in command that's just as diabolical that we have to worry about? Well, that's a legitimate question to ask. I don't know. I couldn't tell you uh, that Kent is in the process of grooming someone to take over. It may very well be that when he's gone, it's all gone, except for the possibility that it may still be under the umbrella of a church operation. And from a legal standpoint, uh, there's limited options as to what happens to the property at that time. Uh, it can get a little complicated. Curiously enough, now that you mentioned that, you mentioned his, his son, who is a preacher and has his own similar business as far as preaching against evolution and stuff. Uh, he has been trying to groom, I think, or entice this other young preacher about his son's age, a guy named Matt Powell, a little actually 10 or 15, 20 years younger than his son. He's in his early 20s in any case. Matt Powell is on this uh, anti-evolution, anti-science uh, preaching thing. And Kent has been trying to get him and his wife and his baby to come live with him, uh, perhaps with the idea that he could groom somebody to take over the theme park. I'm not sure what all that is about. I can't believe this young fellow would actually bring his wife and baby to live with Kent, but Kent has been pushing that issue, and I don't think the kid has yet told Kent, no, I'm not about to do that. He actually indicated in a YouTube broadcast earlier uh, in December, I think, that he just might be considering it. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe he will become the heir apparent, uh, at least for a time. I, uh, I always, whenever you watch stories, usually on a talk show, they'll have somebody that left a cult. And you hear all these horror stories, and it's like, how did anybody ever, like, agree to become part of this cult? It seems so goofy and out there, right, and outrageous and over the top. And in a weird way... I bet if you went to all of the people that are supporters of Kent and you asked them, you know, what their thoughts were about the supporters of Jim Jones or David Koresh, I bet they would say, oh, those people were deluded and, and out of their mind, yet they don't realize that they might be getting that same brainwashing from Kent that David Koresh's and, and Jim Jones's followers got from them. So it's interesting how easy it is to kind of get mesmerized by charismatic folks throughout the, through, throughout the years of history. You know, do you agree? Uh, I, I think so. And, and you might be able to develop a clear distinction between Kent's public persona, his YouTube media presentations and all the debates uh, what he does there in, in trying to maintain his support from around the world and a very, very small group of people, he is enticed to come and live with him and do his bidding on the 143 acres. 
for the most part, I think you would find some clear distinctions between most of these people that are trying to get away from something. Kent has advertised free room and board, and they can go live down there and enjoy the property, which it's it's a great place to live in a sense. Uh, All right. So let's say your son or daughter came up to you and they said, Dad, I just got an offer from a place called Dinosaur Adventureland. There's this gentleman named Kent. He wants to pay for my room and board. All I got to do is go down there and work with him for a couple of months to a couple of years. What would you say to your son or daughter if they came to you and said that? Well, it, it would. I'd say I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, but a lot of people, particularly if you're independent, fundamental, temperamental, chicken-eating Baptist that doesn't like evolution, uh, it would be a great place to do that. Uh, and if if you don't care about the baggage that goes along with it, you, you have a place to live, you're well-fed, you got work to do. Doesn't matter that uh, Kent's got some girlfriends, uh, that he's fighting the government, that he's doing all this other stuff you know what does that affect you that's his business uh you're just having a wonderful time and maybe getting away from some problems back at home and so that's that's what works out robert uh uh, we've for a lot of people we've come to the end of the show but i want all of our baptist listeners to know that Robert recommends you get a free vacation by going to Dinosaur Adventureland in Lenox, Alabama. That was this week's show. Join us again next week when we have another person share their story. Robert, thank you for being on Jesse Jameson and Friends. Thank you. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Be sure to tune in again next week for another great story. Jesse Jameson and Friends is heard every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Jesse Jameson and Friends is a proud presentation of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. All rights reserved.